3: Hey, you're listening to the December 29th College Football Show, on Rotovis Radio Podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle FF, and joining me is my co-host Jordan Hoover on Twitter at JHoover9787. Jordan, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good, Kyle. It's
3: good to be back from
1: our mini holiday hiatus. Uh, happy holidays to all the listeners out there. And um, we've been cruising through bowl games the last couple days. Uh, I'm sure... Kind of like with me and probably a lot of other people, it was sandwiched between some family time and catching some football action at the same time. So uh, now that now that that's kind of out of the way, we're really cranking up the next couple of days with the bowl games, starting to get some pretty marquee matchups. And we have a pretty jam packed show today. We're going to try and run through basically from now until essentially New Year's Day. So uh, we're going to have a ton of content over the next hour or so.
3: Um, so we'll hop right into it. The first game we're going to talk about is the Cherry Bundy Tart Boca Bowl. Uh We previewed it last week. FAU defeated Akron 50-3. to um, I know both of us kind of expected this game to be a little bit closer. I believe the line was 21.5. Uh, we thought that was pretty accurate. But um, ultimately that was not the case. Big takeaway for me in this game really was Devin Singletary. Uh, we talked about him before. You've written about him before. 26 carries, 124 yards, 3 touchdowns. Um, Almost outgained Akron by himself. Akron as a team had 146 yards. Um, you know, Singletary, one of the probably most underrated backs in the country, and I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward in Kiffin's offense. Other than that, I didn't take away a lot. Other than that, uh, I think FAU is going to be uh, pretty legit um, power five, a er, uh, group of five team. Excuse me for the next couple of years, especially as long as Kiffin is still at the helm with them.
1: No, I mean Singletary just continues to impress every time we get to see him. He's he has to be in the conversation, I think, for the RB one for 2019. Um, we we definitely have some time to refine our rankings um, between now and then, but he's he should be in that conversation, in my opinion, and and also Lane Kiffin. Uh, going going for two up 30 to something. I, I don't even know exactly what the spread was at that point, but it was clear that he was trying to lay it on Akron for uh, some trash talk from the AD, I think, from Akron. So that was a fun little storyline, and Lane Kiffin finds another way to be able to play the villain. So eh, anytime, anytime we get a villain Lane Kiffin, I'm, I'm all for it.
3: Uh, the next game we're going to touch on is the DXL Frisco Bowl. Louisiana Tech defeated SMU 51-10. to 10. I didn't really watch too much of this game, but I was pretty surprised by the result. Uh, I know I picked SMU. Definitely probably the more talented team, obviously. Cortland Sutton, we've talked about him before. um, Only had six catches for 68 yards. Trey Quinn, eight catches for 45 yards. Did have a touchdown. Um, That was really all I was looking for in this game. Wasn't too interested in anybody else playing. Uh, Like I said, surprised by the result. Definitely think uh, Chad Morris not being there to coach the team probably had an impact on the way they uh, played, but... Um, unless you have anything else in this game, that's all I got.
1: Yeah, I didn't see too much of this game actually, but I know that Teddy Veal, uh, Louisiana tech wide receiver, I believe he caught two touchdowns in this game. Um, he is a six foot one ninety two junior wide receiver caught 69 passes this year for 832 yards, five touchdowns. So not really eye popping stats, but, uh, he actually transferred from Tulane, um, after 2015, and this is his first season at Louisiana Tech. So he was kind of a standout, I guess, on the stat sheet. But uh, in in truth, I didn't really see a ton of this game. But I, too, was pretty surprised by this outcome. I thought that it would be a lot closer. Um, I think the spread was maybe three points one way or the other. So this is another kind of a surprise blowout that I didn't really see coming.
3: All right. The next game we're going to touch on here real quick is the game of the year for me and you. Uh, the Bad Boy Mowers, Gasparilla Bowl, Temple 1, 28-3, defeated FIU. Uh, I didn't really watch m- any of this game, wasn't really interested in watching much of this game. Um, but leave FIU's quarterback Alex Magoo got hurt early on. He only completed one pass. Uh, like we said, probably their best player, the only really fantasy relevant player in this game, Thomas Owens, was out. So, not a lot to take away from me with that. Um, I do know at the end of the game they brought out the trophy on a riding mower. <laughs> Which was pretty great to see, but that was really the biggest takeaway of the game for me was that they did get the riding mower in there, so that was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a ton to ton to add to this either, but that's that's really good to good to know that they did integrate a riding mower into the uh, theatrics of the game at some in some junction because I was hoping that that was going to be the uh, the bowl the bowl gift for the players was some sort of mower deck. I know we talked about that earlier, but yeah, it was kind of a bummer that Thomas Owens didn't get to play. He was kind of the Really, in my opinion, he's the only guy to, to know, really, amongst both of these teams, and he he wasn't able to go because of injuries, so it was kind of a letdown. Uh, but, I mean, you know, good win for Temple. They get a bowl win. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that.
3: Uh, next up, we'll touch on the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, kind of like the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl, kind of had some antics of their own in this game, had some uh, drunk people running around the track outside the field, so that was kind of entertaining to see. Um, I didn't watch much of the game outside of those little antics. Uh, Ohio won 41-6, uh, defeated UAB. Senior Dorian Brown had four touchdowns for Ohio to lead the way for them. Um, don't think he's really fantasy-relevant at all. Uh, I know we touched on Spencer Brown for UAB, their freshman running back. He was held to just 13 carries for 37 yards. Outside of those two guys, not a lot stuck out to me in this game. Um don't think we'll be seeing very many players from this game in the NFL. I do think Ohio has a, a great shot to kind of run away with the MAC next year, um, which should be good to see them at Toledo kind of going back at it. Other than that, that's really all I took away.
1: No, not much. I mean, I, it looks like Nathan Rourke was able to go, which definitely helped Ohio's cause. But like you said, it was pretty much Dorian Brown with four, I believe he had four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he was the one power in the uh, the attack for the Bobcats. Yeah. Uh, Good win for Frank Solich. He's just always kind of been like a sneaky good coach ever since he, um, ever since he left Nebraska and landed in Ohio. He pretty much has that team, co- you know, competing for a, a conference championship just about every year. So it, it's also though I, I will say it's a, it's been a good season for UAB. I think they've vastly exceeded expectations considering the circumstances around their program. So I mean, even eight and five season, and like you said, Spencer Brown coming back as a sophomore next year. I think that they. You know, I'm not sure that they'll win eight or nine games every season. I don't know that for sure, but this was definitely a step in the right direction.
3: And in this next game, uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, we do finally get uh, some NFL draft relevant players, I think, uh, mainly Josh Allen. Wyoming won the game 37-14. i will going to 14. Uh, gonna let you talk about Allen uh, more in depth. Uh, he was 11 for 19, had three touchdowns, 154 yards, so not a huge game on the stat sheet, but... Um, did flash that big arm, did have some big flash plays that I think evaluators would like. Uh, on the Central Michigan side, um, their running back, Jonathan Ward, was held to just 12 carries for 29 yards, did have a touchdown. Uh, I like him as kind of a Debbie sleeper going forward. Even though he was held out on the ground, he had seven catches for 109 yards, had a 74-yard touchdown. Um, I think that was pretty impressive for just a true sophomore back to do. He's up to 48 receptions on the year, pretty capable of Capable pass catcher, also had 10 touchdowns, so kind of excited to see what he can do for the year. Um, personally, this game didn't really swing my opinion of Allen much. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see if this uh, affected your opinion at all, um, and kind of what you thought of his game as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it really is, I guess it's undeniable that Josh Allen at times shows really exceptional arm talent, quote-unquote arm talent. That's the phrase that everyone likes to use. But but my problem is and, and always has been inconsistency and struggles against top flight competition. So to me, Josh Allen kind of showing out against Central Michigan, no offense to Central Michigan, but if Josh Allen is in fact a round one typed prospect, he should be showing out against Central Michigan. He should be showing out against a conference competition all season long. Now I know he was injured. And that does definitely play a role in his performance this season. But one game to me doesn't really sway my opinion when we have X amount of sample size prior to this game. So I, you know, I'm sticking with my I'm sticking with, with my original stance that I think that he is overhyped. And I think that it's a shame that he's been overhyped, because I think that he is the perfect kind of project for some NFL coach if he goes to the right place but I think that this round one hype is a little bit out of control, but I fear that it's only gonna get worse between now and draft, and I think it's gonna get ramped up. I could very well be completely wrong. He could come out and just, you know, win rookie of the year, who knows? But I just don't, the numbers just don't appear to me to point that direction, and this one game, uh, very small sample size, he did play well, but it's against Central Michigan. I wasn't really swayed all that much.
3: All right, now we're going to move along to the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, This was one of the better bowl games so far. USF defeated Texas Tech 38-34. A lot of these games have been blowouts. That trend's continuing into the games, um, even past the ones we previewed last week. So glad to see this was kind of a good game. Uh, Quentin Flowers' last game was collegiate career as a passer. I think it kind of summed him up perfectly. Uh, 311 yards and four touchdowns, but he was just 17 for 34. Those accuracy issues kind of... uh, You know, making themselves known in this game. I think that's kind of why I don't view him as a legit quarterback prospect in the NFL. Did have 14 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So, um, kind of a a typical game for him in his last uh, collegiate game. And then uh, Darnell Solomon uh, caught a touchdown. Believe I briefly touched on him in the preview. Um, He had four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. 6'3, 209 pounds, sophomore. Really talented guy, was at one time the number one uh, wide receiver in his class, ended up getting arrested when he was visiting Georgia, um, kind of fell down the boards, ended up at South Florida, um, and I think he has a chance to be their top receiver next year. think he has an outside shot as an NFL guy. Uh, had five catches for 139 yards and a touchdown against UCF, which I was glad to see. Other than that, I don't have a lot to take away from this game on the Texas Tech side. Uh, Kiki QT. Kuti, not totally sure how to say his last name had 11 catches for 187 yards no we had an article up on him on the site if you want to go check that out uh interested to kind of hear your thoughts on him
1: i think, you know i can't now i can't remember kind of put me on the spot. i can't remember which um put that piece together um but i know that he was a, a contributor a bit in the kick return game this year. He had one kick return for a touchdown. Wasn't a huge part of his game through his three years at Texas Tech. But I think he is the type of guy he's – I think he's listed at 5'11", 180. So he's a bit of a smaller stature guy. But I think that he could potentially find a role playing um, a slot-type role in the NFL and perhaps contributing in the kick game, although he hasn't necessarily shown it in college. I think he probably has the ability to do so. Um like you said, he had 82 receptions, over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns this year. So that's a really good, um, you know, raw counting stat season as a junior. Um, so I think that he's probably, I think that he's probably in a later round type guy. But I think that sort of like a, a dart throw that could potentially pay off. Um, that's kind of how I view him right now. I I, I kind of have trouble sometimes evaluating guys from these really. Pro- prolific, excuse me, prolific passing offenses um, and he's another one um, hailing from Texas Tech um, so his his market share metrics aren't necessarily going to be as strong as some other prospects so he kind of gets dinged there but I think that he could potentially find a role in the NFL
3: So this next game was probably the, the best bowl game so far uh, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl Army won 42-35 to over San Diego State they had a two point conversion late in the game to kind of take the lead going away Um, I know I kind of talked about uh, in the preview how this game probably wouldn't have very many passes thrown. Um, There were 31 passing yards total, uh, just seven completed passes with two interceptions. Uh, Army only went one for four on passes, so kind of lived up to that billing even more than I expected. (laughs) Obviously, the big takeaway from this game is Rashad Penny. Um, His fifth straight game with at least 200 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, pretty impressive way for him to close out his career. Uh, also had 62 yards uh, in kick returns. Um, I, I wrote up Penny for uh, Dynasty League football for our preview. I kind of talked about how you know his, his um, production this year has been extremely impressive, obviously. Um, almost 2,300 yards rushing, 23 touchdowns. Uh, he's 511 220, so good size. I'm worried about how he'll test. Um, I don't think he's that great of an athlete. His speed might be there, but uh, really what I think is lacking is his uh, explosive numbers. Um, he's not a good athlete in terms of um, you know how he'll test with the broad jump and vertical jump. Um, I don't think that necessarily bears it out on film, especially in the kick return game, but I just don't think he'll test well in those areas. Um, Agility-wise, I think he will be average at best, um, so that's kind of my areas of concern with him. Um, you know, and he does play for a smaller conference. But overall, I think Penny will probably end up inside my top 10. Uh, I know some people probably have him as a top five. But I think he'll probably end up closer in like the eight to 10 range for me. Uh, I'm kind of curious to hear where you'll end up having him in your rankings.
1: It's tough because I think that, like you said, I think a lot of it will have to do with, with how he tests that combine. Unfortunately, I know that I tend to tend to lean on that a bit whenever we're talking about these guys but i think that in his case it really is going to matter um one one interesting thing about him is the fact that he's he's been such a consistent contributor in the kick return game um he he's averaged over 30 yards per kick return on 79 returns over the course of his career and he has seven kick return touchdowns which is wild for a guy with his size um so i mean i have to think i have to think at the very least he's you know, he's athletic enough to be able to put up those type of numbers. And again, like you said, um, level of competition does absolutely matter, but I think that just that, that like little extra kicker might be enough to kind of boost him ahead. Um, just did a real quick, uh, sports reference finder. And it looks like he's one of four guys since 2000 to rush for over 3000 yards and have over 2000 yards and kick returns. Um, he actually his stats actually line up really similar to CJ Spiller. Actually, like almost identical, um, which is kind of a an interesting comp. I think that they're they're not necessarily the same type of player, but their rushing lines, their touchdowns, almost everything lines up to a T, which is pretty interesting. Just look that up on the spot. I might have to dig into that a little bit deeper. But, um Penny is definitely rising. I think that if if he does perform well at the Combine, he could easily be like He could potentially be like the arbitrage uh, first round running back, if you can put that into kind of a term. Um, I think that he could be, you know, he could be a guy that in rookie drafts you could have at a discounted cost of someone, say, like Saquon Barkley. Not saying he's the same type of player or the same quality player, but you're going to be able to get him a lot cheaper than you will for Barkley. Um, And it also on landing spot, you know, as but what he's done down the stretch and what he's shown um, over the course of his career as a kick returner is really promising.
3: And then the last game we're going to recap here is the Dollar General Bowl. Uh, App State defeated Toledo 34 nothing in what I think was probably the most uh, surprising result of bowl season so far to me. I really thought Toledo was a good team, and they were not impressive at all. Um, everyone we kind of talked about did not do well. Uh, Terry Swanson had just 44 yards True freshman back, Shaquette Seymour, just had three carries for negative two yards. uh, Also caught three passes, so that was a little encouraging. Uh, Deontay Johnson, John V. Johnson, limited to just three catches between two of them. Um, As a whole, Toledo just had 146 yards. Um, Like I said before, Devin Singletary, uh, Jalen Moore, App State's back, almost outgained Toledo um, as a team. Uh, He had... 125 rushing yards, three touchdowns, uh, so a big game for him. I know we had an article up on the site about him. I don't think he's a uh, big-time NFL prospect, but I do think he's somebody who, if he comes back, could be one of the more productive backs in the country next year. Um, Two straight seasons with at least 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, His his carries dipped this year from 237 to 183, which was kind of curious to me. I believe he was the Sun Belt Player of the Year last year. Not really sure why that would happen. Um, had 1,400 yards as a sophomore. Uh, I don't expect him to declare, but um, you know, if he does, I don't think he get drafted at all. Um, but I think he could be a, a nice, uh, productive back for next year. So, um, do you have any thoughts on on more? Uh, if he's an NFL type player at all, uh, I'm kind of curious to what you think of him on the whole. <laughs>
1: Um, I would just probably point people to Ryan Bobbitt's article on road of he, he profiled Jalen Moore for our draft prospect series. Um, he did a nice write up on him kind of summarizing what he's done so far and perhaps what he can do, uh, going forward. Um, I know reading his article, it says that NFL draft scout currently has him ranked as the 17th running back in the 2019 class. So it's obviously not entirely sure if he's coming out or not, but if he returns, um, he definitely would be a guy that I would be interested in seeing next year. Um, he's 5'11, two Oh five. So he's kind of on the small ish side for a running back, but um, he's proven, uh, you know, an ability to uh, not really, actually he hasn't really contributed in the passing game yet, which is kind of interesting. Um, but he has totaled over 3000 yards in his career. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy I think that probably could benefit from coming back for another season, especially in this crowded RB class, um, but yeah, so if he comes back, I think he's a guy to watch. Um, if he if he declares, uh, I think that he might struggle to be able to. I think he'll probably struggle to end up getting drafted, honestly. So I think he should probably stay another year.
3: All right. So before we get into the previews here, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about draft. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try our new favorite app, which is Draft. Here's how it works. It's draft sleep. Uh, drafts last for just one week there's no management uh, so there's no trades no waiver wire draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you uh, drafts are starting every couple minutes so you can join one right now and the best part is you get to play for cold hard cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for everybody um, like I said no salary cap it's a real-life snake draft just like you play with your friends in your season log leagues so come join us on draft today you could download the app at any time from the App Store uh, just search draft or you could play from a computer on PlayDraft.com. And for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft. You make your first deposit. You just have to use the promo code RVRADIO. So you get to play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit. So search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play, play for free with the promo code RVRADIO. So the first game we're going to preview is a Rose Bowl-type matchup. Uh, it's actually in the Cotton Bowl because uh, the Rose Bowl this year uh, is one of the playoff games. Um, USC is playing Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I'm pretty excited for this game. I think these are two uh, two of the better teams in the country. USC, obviously the Pac-12 champion, Ohio State, just left out of the playoffs um, as the Big Ten champion. Um the line right now is seven and a half uh, in Ohio State's favor. Um, I think that's a pretty accurate line, even though um, both teams are ranked uh, in the top eight. I think it's a bigger mismatch than most people think. Ohio State's number the number one team in S P plus, p uh, USC is all the way down at number 22. Their defense ranks 61st in S P plus, Ohio State's offense ranks 6th. Um, as much hate as I give to JT Barrett. Um, He is a great college quarterback. Um, He's just what an offense, an Urban Meyer offense needs. Um, As long as he doesn't uh, make too many mistakes in this game, I think Ohio State should be able to handle them. I am interested to see what Sam Darnold will be able to do in this game. Um, If he kind of makes a big statement in this game like he did last year in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, um, will he ultimately decide to declare for the draft? Uh, right now, it seems like he's leaning towards not declaring, um, but obviously nothing's guaranteed. He would probably be a top-ten pick, I would assume, if he did declare, um, so I'm kind of interested to see on that front. Um, we have two very good running backs in this game as well, in Ronald Jones and J.K. Dobbins. Either of these guys can have a big game, I think it'll help them next year, uh, boost boost going into next year their, their Heisman potential. I think both of them have a lot of Heisman potential. Um, that's really all I'm looking for in terms of NFL prospects. Uh, I think in terms of the game, I like I said, I probably will take Ohio State uh, <laughs> minus 7.5. I think that's a pretty good line, but think they could win by more um, just because USC really hasn't faced a defense as good as Ohio State's. Um, and Ohio State should be able to handle USC's defense pretty well. Um, you know, as long as their receivers are able to um, get, get a little bit of separation. USC does have a pretty good secondary, um, but, you know, nothing that uh, th- those talented receivers at Ohio State can't handle. So I'm going to take Ohio State uh, minus seven and a half. And real quick, I do just want to say that uh, Ronald Jones, I think, is probably one of the more underrated backs in this year's class. Uh, I have him ranked fourth right now, but he's kind of like one, or excuse me, neck and neck with Nick Chubb, almost like 3A, 3B behind uh, Barkley and Darius Geis. Uh, I think he should test pretty well. He's a fast back, um, also a pretty physical back. I really like him. think he could be a steal for a team in the, the sec- late second, third round. Um, I think he'd probably be a, a first-round dynasty uh, rookie pick for me. So um, just somebody that I think could see their stock rise with a big game in this game. Just wanted to get that in there real quick.
1: Yeah, it's kind of strange because it feels like Ronald Jones has kind of gone under the radar a bit this year. Um, just with all of the talk, like you said, with Chubb, Saquon Barkley, um, Darius Geist to some extent. It seems like Ronald Jones kind of gets lost in the mix a bit. But like you said, he he's been super productive this year. Uh, he put on some weight in the offseason. I think he's playing at around 200 pounds now, so he's a bit filled out from what we saw last season. He has that prototypical NFL running back build. And like you said, this is a perfect opportunity for him to be able to show what he can do against a really good Ohio State uh, run defense, just in general good defense, but especially against a run. It's going to be tough for him. Um, if, if, he can, if he can do his thing here, that'll really say a lot. But I, I, kind, of, I kind of agree with you, I think, that even though the touch error the spread, excuse me, is over a touchdown, I still feel pretty good about laying the points and taking Ohio State. I think that Ohio State defensive front could potentially give Sam Darnold trouble. I think if they get to him, make him potentially um, cause him to make some mistakes similar to what we saw earlier in the season from Darnold. He's kind of righted the ship lately, but I mean, it, I could easily see you know a really disruptive front like Ohio State causing him problems and maybe reverting back to his turnover prone ways and if you turn the ball over against Ohio State generally bad things bad things happen so I think that the combination of Dobbins and Barrett probably getting 20-25 carries because Urban Meyer is the head coach um, you know I I, I think I feel pretty good about laying laying the points here laying seven and a half Uh, but overall I'm pretty excited for this game not only because it's two marquee historical you know historical teams that have been around forever but because there's so much talent on the field on both sides of the of the ball, really um, on both teams, so it's it's one that I'm I'm pretty excited about.
3: For sure, for sure. Um, next game up, we're going to hop into the preview with is the Orange Bowl. Uh, Orange Bowl features Miami and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a four and a half point favorite over the Canes. Um, I want to see how Miami is able to bounce back after that uh, horrible loss they had to Clemson. They lost 38-3 in the ACC title game. Um, Wisconsin did lose their uh, title game as well to Ohio State 27-21 in the Big Ten game. However, um, that wasn't nearly as bad of a loss. Did keep them out of the playoff. Um, they w- would have had an undefeated season. But, um, you know, Miami, that, that that's a real crushing loss Um they, they also lost to, to Pitt the week before, so on a two-game slide where they've put up just 17 points in the last two weeks. Um, kind of uh, confused as to what has made their offense sputter. I know uh, a bunch of their playmakers uh, have been out, like Amon Richards, uh, Christopher Herndon, and I believe Braxton Berrios. Not totally sure on Berrios. Um, I don't think Herndon is going to play in the bowl game. I know Richards is out, and again, not sure on Berrios. But... Um, I do want to see how Jonathan Taylor will look for Wisconsin going up against this uh, vaunted Hurricanes defense. I think that'll be a great thing to watch for. Um, He's obviously had a tremendous year with uh, 1,800 yards rushing. Um, Not a lot I'm looking for outside of him though in terms of uh, NFL type guys. Um, I do think Wisconsin will cover that four and a half point spread. Uh, They have a, a great defense. Um, I would say, on par with uh, Miami. Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, one of the best in the country. Um, I think their offense is probably more built to go up against a good defense like Miami. So four and a half points, that that, that feels about right, but I could see uh, you know them winning by about seven to 10 points. So I will take uh, the Badgers over the Canes.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Miami comes out and responds, because like you said, the, you know, there's been a four week four week gap between uh, their last game against Clemson and this game against Wisconsin. But over the last two games, you know, they only scored 17 points. They they lost that really weird, you know, that really weird uh, Thanksgiving weekend game against Pitt, where they just came out and looked absolutely terrible. And then they got, like you said, they got smashed by Clemson. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how they come out and sort of respond after this long layoff with those two pretty bad losses, you know, probably still lingering a bit in their minds. And now they run into a Wisconsin team who, you know, was one (laughs) was one win away from being in the playoff. Um, They lost by six points to Ohio State, you know, so I I agree with you. I think Wisconsin, their defense is actually still ranked first in S&P plus uh, in the country. Um, I think that they are legit on defense, and like you said, you you hit on a ton of those injuries. Guys like Amon Richards, Chris Herndon, guys that really would come in handy in a, in a situation like this because I think Miami needs more playmakers to be able to stretch the field against this Wisconsin uh, defense, which they kind of are missing now. And if Barrios is out too, that's another big hit. So again, I've kind of been <laughs> I've kind of been down on Miami the last you know last game, I, I guess, because all these signs were kind of pointing against them. And I still kind of feel the same way. Um, but I agree with you. The game is probably going to be close. Um, but I'll still lay the four and a half and take Wisconsin. I just think that their defense is going to make it really hard for Miami to score. And like you said, Jonathan Taylor um, is always a force on offense. So I'll go the Badgers here.
3: And before we get too far along these previews, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about uh, my bookie. If you're watching the games, it's time for you to start making money off of them. Uh, and my bookie is the industry-leading website that hooks you up with all of your betting needs. They have great odds, fast payouts, and decades of expertise, so you can bet with confidence. Uh, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, so that's why I'm urging you to check out my bookie um they have in-game live betting a mobile site that makes wagering on the go easier than ever and you can even check out their online casino if you'd rather just play a few hands of blackjack or roll the dice in craps um your team doesn't even have to win you know that they just have to cover the spread jordan and i've been talking about that all year so uh what are you waiting for go and lay down some cash and win big today um join my bookie now and they'll match your deposit with up to a 50 percent bonus uh, use promo code ROTOCFB to activate that offer. So if you want to he- head over to mybookie.ag, use that promo code ROTOCFB. get a 50% matching bonus. Um, they will uh, match that for you. Great deal. Highly recommend you go check it out. Um, next game we're going to talk about is the Fiesta Bowl. Um, game near and dear to Jordan and I's heart. Uh, Penn State is playing with Wisconsin- uh, Washington. Excuse me. Uh, Washington is two point underdogs. Uh, I really am not sure what to expect for this game. It's a strength-on-strength uh, strength matchup with Penn State's offense, one of the best in the nation, uh, ranked 12th in S&P+, Plus going up against Washington's fourth-ranked defense uh, in terms of S&P+. Plus. Um, you know, they're, they have one of the best-run defenses in the country, uh, led by Vita Villa, their defensive tackle. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, uh, the best running back in the nation, at least in terms of talent. Um, you know He's going to be hard for them to contain, uh, not just running the ball, but also out of the backfield. Um, one thing of concern for me for Penn State is they just recently kicked two guys off the team. Uh, Manny Bowen was a starting outside linebacker for them. He missed the last three games, so it's not a uh, as big of a loss as it would seem. They've been without him for some time. And Irvin Charles, a wide receiver who had just four catches this year. Um believe he had more drops than catches so far this year. So... That doesn't sound like too big of a loss um, when you put it that way, but he is the team's gunner, um, was one of the better gunners in the Big Ten, um, one of the better special teams players in the Big Ten for cover to fumble this year. I believe he had about seven tackles on special teams. Um, and while something like that may sound uh, you know, pretty minuscule, um, in a game like this where it's supposed to be such a tight game, it is going to make a big difference, especially uh, when you're playing Washington. Washington has arguably... Uh, the best punt returner in college football history in Dante Pettis, their wide receiver. Uh, he has nine career punt return touchdowns, most all time. Uh, averaged over 14 yards per punt return. Very explosive guy. Um, that's the kind of play I think this game could turn on. Um, you know, obviously Penn State um, has talent that uh, you know they'll be able to fill in that gunner role, um, but they haven't been able to do that. Uh, for the rest of the year, they only had the, the backup gunner play one game. Lamont Wade, who was a five-star, so um, you know, not uh, not missing too much talent there. But I'm worried about that. Um, if Penn State can kind of uh, you know get behind that Washington defense with a couple deep balls and loosen up. Uh, The defense. uh, I think they'll be able to win this game. I'm really kind of torn on who to take because Washington's offense is also pretty good with Miles Gaskin. But I think I will take the underdog in this game. I'll go with Washington plus two.
1: See, that's the reason why people need to be listening because of inside information like that, where you drop the gunner is out for the bowl game and it could swing the entire operation. That's that's where it's at, man. But but honestly, like in in a matchup this close that that looks this close on paper, when you look at the metrics, it it really could be something as simple as that that could swing the entire game. Uh, Like you said, Dante Pettis is one of the best returners in the history of college football, probably. Um, And, you know, and something else that I've kind of been thinking about is Penn State's offensive line has been I guess you could say up and down this year, um, but I think that Washington's front is is going to be pretty aggressive, and I think that they could cause some problems for um, for Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. Um This is it's a really tough one to call. I I really do think that these are two pretty similar teams, um, but I will, it, uh, I'll um, I'll take Penn State. I'll lay the two. Uh, we're both alumni so i you know i guess one of us has to to lay on the grenade here but uh um i i, do, I really do think this is going to be a pretty close tight game and it, it you know in the same way we said that it could swing on a washington return if you know if saquon Barkley's still back running running kicks back for Penn State that could swing a game as well so uh, this was this is a game that, that everyone hopefully will get a chance to watch because i think that it will be pretty close probably right down to the end
3: Yeah, I'm excited for that game. I'm also pretty excited for this next game we're going to talk about. Uh, It's the Peach Bowl with UCF and Auburn. Uh, Auburn obviously lost in the SEC title game to Georgia. Uh, Kind of a rough loss for them, 28-7. UCF undefeated coming off that double overtime win against Memphis in their conference title game. Um, UCF is ranked 9th in S&P+. Auburn ranks 10th, so pretty even matchup, at least based on that. Um... I'm excited to see what uh, Central Florida's offense can do against, um, you know, Auburn's defense, which is one of the better defenses in the country. They ranked fifth in S&P+. Um, they they were obviously able to bottle up uh, Georgia and Alabama, which most teams can't do. Um, I think UCF will be able to put up points on them. It's more just a question of can they stop the Tiger offense. Um, They have a really good rushing attack, which uh, UCF really hasn't seen outside of a team like Navy. Um, And they also probably, they're easily the most talented team they'll face all season. Um, UCF uh, 9.5 point underdog, I think that is a little big. I think they're getting a little disrespected there. I will take them, um, getting 9.5. Could see them getting blown out, potentially, um, because, you know, if Auburn can do it to Georgia, they can just as easily do it to Central Florida. But this team has talent. Um, Mackenzie Milton, very talented receiver, tra- quarterback, excuse me, and Traquan Smith, and Dredrick Nelson, two very talented receivers. So... I'm kind of excited to see what they can do against, um, you know, an elite defense like Georgia's. I will take uh, Central Florida plus nine and a half, though. Like I said, um, don't necessarily think they'll win the game outright, but think they'll do uh, enough to cover the spread.
1: This is probably this is probably the most intriguing matchup for me, just because I've kind of been I've been a proponent of UCF all season, and I think that they've been criminally disrespected as far as the rankings are concerned, but. My my gut my gut here is telling me to to lay the points and take Auburn. I think that answer me this. Is Scott Frost coaching this game? Yes. Okay. Um I I really, you know, the fan the fan in me, like the the kid the kid in me that has been watching college football forever really would love to see UCF win this game, just because that's kind of the way that I like to watch sports. But I think that this could be a bit of a a rude awakening for UCF against a you know an Auburn team that for a while they looked like maybe the best team in the country during that you know that five game stretch near the end of the season where they beat Georgia and Alabama um, in three weeks time. I know that they kind of got smushed by Georgia the last time we saw them, but I. You know, I'm really torn on this game. Like I said, I'd love to see UCF win just because it would feel like uh, vindication, you know, for for them being disrespected. But I also think that Auburn could come out here kind of angry and and maybe sort of handle UCF. Um, So I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to lay the points and take Auburn here. But that's just, like, the the gut betting side of me. Like, don't get it wrong. I definitely want to see UCF win this game. So I'm just putting that out there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point you make with Frost. Uh, he's essentially been commuting to Central Florida from Nebraska right. Right. for about, like, the past month, um, which certainly makes it difficult. Um, it, it could help them that they have one of the best offensive minds in the game uh, still coaching this game, but it's going to hurt them that uh, Frost hasn't been focused on this team Uh, They haven't been a sole focus for the past month or so. He's been out recruiting for them. Um, He hasn't been thinking about Auburn as much as he probably should. Right. Um, Kind of moving along here. Um, Next team we're talking about is Alabama versus Clemson in the Rose Bowl. uh, First of the college football playoff matchups. And uh, I really have absolutely no clue (laughs) for this game. Um, These are two really evenly matched teams. um, Kind of built similarly. uh, Elite defenses. Alabama's defense third in S&P Plus. Clemson's is second. Um, two two solid offenses as well, um, led by you know some mobile quarterbacks, like Kelly Bryant and Jalen Hurts. Uh, Alabama is a three-point favorite, which you don't see a lot. Um, the, the lower-ranked team being ranked, uh, favorite over the number one team, um, but Alabama is just that good. Um, you know, we we we've come to kind of expect it from them. Um, Obviously, this is a rematch of the last two national title games. Um, I, I think what this game is going to come down to is um, kind of whose offense is able to make the play. I know that sounds simple, but really that's going to be the key. Um, who's going to pop uh, pop off the b- big long run? Is it going to be Travis Etienne? Is it going to be Damian Harris? Um, you know, is Jalen Hurts going to be able to sneak a deep pass to Calvin Ridley um, behind Clemson's secondary? Um, I do think Clemson probably has the edge when it comes to uh, in the trenches. I think their line will be able to get a little bit more push against Alabama. Um, I could see this being a, a type of game where, um, similar to the Clemson-Auburn game earlier in the year, a, a low-scoring matchup, um, that game was 14-6. to I'm not saying it's going to be that low-scoring because Alabama's offense, at least now, I think was better than what Auburn's was at the time. Um, yeah, I I really don't know uh, who I want to take in this game. I think just because Clemson is the underdog, I will take them getting the points. I don't feel good about that at all. I would not even think about betting this game. Uh, I would just kind of watch this game for pure enjoyment. Um, I'm really, really excited for this game. I think this is one of the best matchups we've had in the semifinals, if not the best matchup we've had.
1: Yeah, there's just so much to like in this matchup. It just has it all. I mean, Clemson's Clemson's defense, Clemson's run defense, especially against Alabama's just incredible stable of running backs that they can at times just rotate in and out. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's been around it's seemingly, seemingly forever, uh, although he's still just a sophomore, it's kind of incredible how much he's actually gotten to play so so early in his career. Then on the other side, you have Kelly Bryant, who is looking to solidify his place. You know, Clemson has um, they already have one um, former five star quarterback recruit on the team now. They are getting Trevor Lawrence, who is another five-star quarterback coming in this year. Not saying that he's going to get bumped, but he I think that he's kind of playing for his job in a way. I think he'll he'll get the nod as the incumbent starter likely next year. But it would go a long way for him to play well here and hopefully for them in the next game coming. Um there's just a ton to like here. You know, you also got Calvin Ridley, who is a guy that I think is going to be pretty hotly debated come draft time, a lot of guys I think are really going to like him. Um, Me personally, I have questions about him as a prospect, but this is, you know, a huge stage, an opportunity for him to step up and play well. There's just immense amounts of talent on both teams, as you would expect in this type of matchup. Um, And I'm kind of with you on betting the game. You know, you, you couldn't, You would have to twist my arm to to actually bet real money on this game. But for the purposes of the podcast, um, uh, I'm going to I'm going to take Alabama lay the three. I think that Nick Saban coming off a loss with all this time to, you know, it's a bit narrative street ish. But I think with Nick Saban, it holds kind of true coming off a loss to Auburn all this time to prepare. Just kind of lean on old standby, go with Bama. But, you know. I I would advise just watching this game and taking it in rather than having to sweat it out. That's just my opinion.
3: All right. Next up, at least for me, a game that's not as exciting is the Citrus Bowl uh, LSU versus Notre Dame. LSU is three and a half point favorites. Um, If you like rushing, I think this is going to be a a good game for you. You're going to have two very good backs in this game, Josh Adams and Darius Geis. Uh, guys, I feel like is the clear number two back in this class behind Saquon Barkley. I feel like almost everybody has him ranked as such, but he really doesn't get talked about that much. Um, you know, Barkley kind of overshadows him. Um, you know, guys like Rashad Penny are starting to generate more hype. Um, you know, like I said, if Ronald Jones has a big game, he could kind of generate more hype. So I think this is kind of guys's stage to shine, so to speak. If he can have a big game in this game against a good, a great Notre Dame defense. Um, I think that'll do wonders for his draft stock um, their defense has fallen off a little bit so to speak uh, they gave up 38 points to Clemson or Stanford in their last game excuse me um, I know Bryce love did well against them and they've kind of struggled as well their past couple of games they got crushed by Miami uh, Stanford kind of pulled away against them and they only they, they snuck out a close game against navy 24 to 17 um, so I am going to take LSU with the points. Um, Hopefully, my guy Equinemi St. Brown can do something for Notre Dame in this game. Uh, He is their leading receiver and is coming off a 100-yard game, so I'd like to see him do something. Uh, Hopefully, he doesn't declare. I'd like to see him come back to school one more year. Yeah,
1: this is an intriguing matchup, and like you said, I'll be watching the same exact thing. It's Darius Geis versus Josh Adams. Adams is a guy that I'm pretty high on. Uh, I, I still feel like he's not really getting talked about enough considering what he was able to do this year and last year. He's been productive for a while. I'm not entirely sure if he's coming out yet. I don't think he's announced, but he's another guy kind of like if he would declare and run decently at the combine, I think he could be another type arbitrage type guy for uh, dynasty drafts. Uh, He's a guy that I've liked all year long. So that's a really good matchup to watch. And as far as picking the game, hmm, I'm actually... I'm actually going to go against you again. I'm going to take Notre Dame getting the points three and a half. I think that it probably will be a pretty close game. Uh, Could easily be pretty low scoring. Um, So in that case, I'll take the team getting the points. But this is kind of like a toss-up for me. I'm really interested to see Geis versus Adams, though.
3: And the last game we're going to talk about, uh, preview, so to speak, sorry, Um, is probably the game outside Penn State's game, of course. It's the game that I'm most excited for. Um, It's the Rose Bowl with uh, Georgia and Oklahoma um, Georgia one of the best defenses in the country uh, common theme amongst these teams 8th best defense in the country Oklahoma Baker Mayfield our guy best offense in the country number one in S&P plus um, it's really just a great matchup all around um, Georgia's offense I think is really gonna be the key to this game um, Oklahoma's offense will be able to put up points even though Georgia has such a good defense. That's not really a question to me. Um, Mayfield will find a way for them to score. Um, Really, Jake Fromm how is Jake Fromm going to be? Is he going to be the Jake Fromm um, we saw against Auburn the for- first time when they lost 40-17? to Or is he going to be the Jake Fromm we saw the rest of the season? Um, a guy that was able to effectively manage the game, limit turnovers, and kind of just keep them in games by um, allowing them to effectively run the ball and work off of play-action passes. Um, so that's going to be the key for uh, me, is seeing how he kind of handles Oklahoma's defense. Because Oklahoma's defense isn't great um, it's 95th in S&P Plus, but they do have some talented guys along the defensive line. Um, can't pronounce his name. They have a defensive uh, end whose name starts with O. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Um, pretty talented guy. So if he can kind of get after from, especially uh, if Rodney Anderson can continue being consistent, um, I think that'll kind of open things up for uh, Mayfield on the offensive end. Georgia is Favored by two and a half points, I probably am going to take them. Um, I think, just think that defense is too talented, even for Mayfield, and that they'll be able to hang in there enough on offense.
1: I think we're pretty much on the same page as far as this game is concerned. I think that the metrics point to Georgia probably winning this and probably covering. Um, I think that Oklahoma's defense is really going to be tested in this spot, and I don't know if they have enough to be able to hold up to Georgia's running attack and you know if if they get the run game going with Chubb, Michelle Swift, you know all those guys and that puts from in easy, you know, play action situations where the linebackers and safeties are biting up to try and stop the run game, he gets, you know, easy throws on single coverage on the outside. It could be a disaster for Oklahoma quite quite frankly because I think they could keep the ball away from Baker. And you know, it really saddens me that we've gotten this far into the season. And we have gotten to a point where both of us would actually pick against Lloyd Baker. Um, I really don't want to do it just like for hashtag brand. Yeah. It's bad for the brand. I mean, I, I love Baker. Everyone knows that you love Baker. Everyone knows that, but this is a tough spot. I think for Oklahoma, I think that Georgia is, is the more talented team overall from top to bottom. Um, So I'm also, I guess, going to take Georgia because I think that, you know, I think that your analysis was pretty spot on. I just am worried about Oklahoma's defense. I kind of hope that Oklahoma wins just because I want Baker to do well because he makes so many people angry and that makes me happy. But um, yeah, I'm going to roll with the Bulldogs here as well. Um, You know, a little bit heartbroken in my own words, but that's the way it'll go.
3: It really does pain you, maybe both to pick pick against uh, Baker Mayfield, doesn't it?
1: Oh my goodness! All I want—I mean, to be quite honest, like you know, we're we're impartial analysts of the game here on the pod, but I want Oklahoma to win the national championship. I'm going to be pretty honest about it, and it's really because of Baker Mayfield. I—it's the fact that he is—he has been. One of the most productive college quarterbacks in the history of the game. He's slighted because of his size. He's slighted because of the way that he carries himself on the field. He's slighted because he's enthusiastic, and those are all things that I like. So I mean, I'm you know, it's it's not even just the metrics that that um, you know enamor me with Baker Mayfield, but I think that the way he carries himself is a positive, and I think that to be offended, I guess you could say, by some of the things he does is kind of small minded. Um, And I think it would just be awesome if he won the whole thing and just was able to go out on that high note and then gets underdrafted and then hopefully performs well in the NFL because that just seems to be his storyline. But um, yeah, so sorry about that rant, but (laughs) that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that I'm still going to stick with Georgia, I guess. Um, But in my hopeful my my wishful thinking, um, I have Oklahoma winning the national championship.
3: All right, so that's going to do it here for this episode of the His College Football show. Uh hope you guys enjoyed it. We really enjoyed uh being with you through this year. Um hope to continue uh doing this in 2018. Um you know, I think think we uh, you know, did a pretty good job. Hope you guys like 2017 and hope you're pretty excited for what 2018 has in store for this pod. So um see you guys then for uh for Jordan again. He's on Twitter at jhoover9787 and I'm Kyle on Twitter at KylePollockFF. Uh have a great new year everybody. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a RotoViz Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotovizcom slash podcast.
2: You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbookins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble book hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble.